Hey guys, welcome back to Mountain Murders. Hey Dylan, how you doing? I'm just hanging out. Yeah, it's been a, a couple of days. Yeah, I've been uh, working a lot, weird schedule. You've been doing all the moving, settling in stuff. We're finally there, I think. Oh yeah, starting to feel like home. It is. Yes, it is. And we're excited to be back talking about our favorite thing, true crime. Love the true crime. Yes, um, I guess we should tell you from the top, you know, we were not consistent with our warnings if you will, here at Mount Murders, but this case is particularly brutal. It is. And even in a true, I'm a real true crime fan. I listened to, I called you outraged earlier today, did I not? Yes. Around lunch. Anyway, we'll talk about that later, but um, I take it seriously. But yeah, this is rough. It's so if you don't rough. like the really dark, um, you know, descriptive, you know, bad stuff, then this might not be an episode you want to listen to. That is true, because right. it is a pretty horrific case. So we do want to give you a little bit of warning. Of course, the Pee Wee Gaskins, the two-part case that we just did, The Crimes of Pee Wee Gaskins. If you haven't checked that out, make sure you go give it a listen. It's pretty rough. Pee Wee was sadistic. Yeah, he was And I just totally don't know why he's pushed to the side. Sick little man. In the top five or ten. But anyway, yeah, Pee Wee was rough. Mountain Murders is tackling a case that a lot of people regionally, you know, kind of around us, know about, but it didn't get a lot of coverage in the media, like, nationally. And as I said, I mean, it's a pretty horrific case. I can't imagine why. There had to have been some reason, because it's a it's, it's sensational, you know, it's the type of stuff they report on. Well, there are maybe some factors, and we'll get into that maybe towards the end. Okay. When we kind of have a little discussion about what's happened. Are you ready to get started? Yeah, let's dive right in. Okay. Channon Christian and Christopher Newsom were a young couple living in Knoxville, Tennessee. Channon was a 21-year-old student at the University of Tennessee, and Christopher was a 23-year-old who had been working as a carpenter. Now, Chris was quite athletic growing up. He had played baseball, and there were several people who said in interviews that he was such a talented, gifted athlete that he was good enough to play at the next level. Really? But he didn't want to go to college. He was a gifted tradesman. As I mentioned, he was a carpenter. He's been described as being really friendly, outgoing. I mean, he was the kind of guy who was popular but never knew a stranger. I mean, you know those guys in high school. So this dude is a tr- you know handsome, smart, a, you know good work ethic. Uh, he's all that shit. A good friend, young, just a good successful. Person. I mean, yeah. he's working as a carpenter. He's pretty gifted. You know, at this job, right? Making good money. Oh, you can make huge money and as a carpenter. He was the kind of guy. I mean, we all know those athletic j- jocks in high school who they were jocks and they were popular, but they were kind of assholes, right? But he wasn't. I mean, everybody says, you know, he just didn't know a stranger. Just a really friendly guy, down to earth, kind of nice to everybody. I mean, it just sounds like good, wholesome, kind of all American kid. Yeah. And Chan was born April twenty ninth, nineteen eighty five, in Texas. So she was just, as I mentioned, a little bit younger than Christopher, but not much. Not creepy younger. She lived in Louisiana, and then eventually her family moved to the Knoxville area in 1997. She was a senior at UT, and she was majoring in sociology. Both were described as good kids. I mean, Shannon was a full-time student. She was working. Both kids lived at home with their parents, so they weren't, like, you know, living out on their own, partying, being wild. I mean, these were two very responsible kids. No, they're doing all the stuff parents will want their kids to do when they become that age and start moving, yes. turning into adults. 
Exactly. And these are two kids that perfect. They're young. They're bright eyed. They're both good kids, and they really have like their future ahead of them. Yeah, the old timers would be like, "Those two are going somewhere." Exactly. And you'd be like, "Oh, the world is their oyster." Yes, kind of thing. Which I never understood. I hate oysters. Well, we didn't understand it because we (laughs) wasn't in people. (laughs) Well, yeah, I guess so. (laughs) But they are. They sound like that couple. So when somebody said you were going places, they meant like probably the county jail. They'd be like, "No, would you just go places away from here?" (laughs) Yeah. I think that's what they okay. were meaning when they said that to me, too. Yeah. In only a few months, this couple had fallen in love very quickly. I mean, this relationship was still very new. Okay. They had only known each other a few months, but just it had blossomed they're young into and they're in love. something. Just yeah. like when I met you. Baby. It's true. Yeah. I'll tell you about it on an extra episode. Our relationship, yeah, we were kind of like the fast oh, and Oh, it was very curious. fast. It was fast <laughs> and hard. It's true, because... We pretty quickly fell in love. Did I call you and was like, I think we should just see each other? Yeah, after what, like, is that, I think it was like our second day. Is that my Napoleon Dynamite romantic line that you remember? Yeah, and I was like, what, huh? Are you like asking me to go out with you? Like I should check yes or no? And you were like, yeah. Gosh. <laughs> my lips really hurt from kissing you. <laughs> this bomb's no good. <laughs> And then I was like, I got bow staff skills and other stuff. And you was like, okay. And yeah, then we got that's married. Not what happened at all. But <laughs> yeah, so this couple, so yeah, I they're guess they're a lot like us. Hey, and when you're in love, you just meet and you just know, like, this just, person is for me. You just ride the wave, baby. Yeah. So this is what these guys are doing. Fast forward to, uh, you know, they've been dating a couple of months, whatever. So this is January evening. The couple, and this is in 2007, I might add. So it's been some years, but still kind of a fairly new story. Yeah. The couple had plans to go to a friend's party on this evening. Now, Channon had stayed at her girlfriend's apartment in Washington Ridge, which was, you know, like an apartment complex in Knoxville. Chris had spent the day playing golf with his best friend. Now, her friend goes on to the party and leaves Channon behind because Channon's waiting on her boyfriend, Chris, and they had plans to grab dinner. And then head to this party. Chris drops off his buddy, Josh, I guess the guy he'd been playing golf with, at the party. He stops by an ATM. He takes out about $100, which, you know, he's going to treat his girl. They're going to go out. Well, that's a good night. But what year is it? 2007. 2007. Oh, that's a good, yeah, that's a good date back in 2007. Yeah. 100 bucks. Yeah. Should I go a day and a half on 100 bucks back then? They eat at the Olive Garden three times on that. You Girl, know you just get the takeout. You get the carry home box. You can take whatever you want. They got unlimited bread Girl, sticks. you can even order dessert. Girl, you get an <laughs> extra salad. Don't even pay for it. Just sneak it in your purse. Well, don't they have unlimited salad or something? I don't unlimited. know. I haven't eaten in an Olive Garden in like 15 years. Dude, they be having like, uh, dudes bring it to work. They be like, and other dudes in the break room be like, Olive Garden. They be trying to guess it, right? They be like, Cheddar's? Olive Garden, they're just naming all those chain restaurants. I was like, oh, why y'all going to end up places eating? But anyway, and, and um, I know we're kind of snobs. Well, we're getting know, off subject a little bit, but we're kind of snobs. I mean, we, I don't know, uh, maybe you're not so much, but I, I'm I snobby in that I don't eat because at like you know chain what? You places. know what the thing is? I like to support local, local small businesses. kind of small. Like farm to personal. table. We love to go to like little taco places. And, but you can go somewhere like that. Order something interesting and different. Yeah. And and still eat for twelve or fifteen dollars. Like a curried goat tamale. Yeah. 
And that's way better than some like yeah, microwaved can, lasagna. You can get that for eleven bucks with a you know a lemon water and support you, small businesses. Okay, we're off our soapbox. So don't eat shitty food. But anyway, <laughs> so he takes out a hundred bucks. They're gonna go to dinner, head to this party. Well, it was around nine p.m. or so that Shannon's friend calls to say that Chris just dropped off his buddy and he's on his way to pick you up. Of course, she's excited. She's waiting for him. The two decide they're gonna go to dinner. They've I guess picked out a local restaurant. And the plan is, again, they're going to have dinner, then pop by this party. In the parking lot of the apartment building, Shannon's sitting in her white Toyota 4Runner. And the driver's door is open, and she's kind of twisted around, you know, and he's kind of standing there. I'm imagining kind of between her legs, you know. Yeah, I know what's and going on. And they're kissing. Yeah, no dad would approve they're looking out the window. They're smooching. Yes. You know. Oh, my they God. They like each other. Yeah, I know. That's sweet. Yeah. Well, you said, wait anymore. you said a dad looking out the window, and I was thinking, uh, hell, far, my mama would have been standing out there in the driveway like, what the hell are you doing? No, <laughs> yeah, even, that wouldn't have even happened in the driveway. Even dads that didn't know these kids would not look <laughs> ashamed and wag their give, finger. Give that look. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> They're kissing, you know, having a little romantic right. moment together. Yeah, just they a little sweet. They haven't seen each other all day. Yeah. You know they, how it, they like each other. You know how it goes when you're in love. Of course, I'm, you know, I'm sure they're kind of distracted because they're just focusing on huh. each other. Uh, yeah. When out of nowhere, a car pulls into this parking lot and some guys jump out. They find themselves in the midst of carjacking. There were two guys. They kidnap the pair at gunpoint and they take this SUV and they drive it to a rental house on Chipman Street in Knoxville. Now, could you imagine no. going from... Chilling with my girl, or I'm with my dude, and we're happy and thinking about this great night we're going to have. They're young, everything's beautiful, everything's shiny, and just in an instant, they've been kidnapped and taken. Well, control I have of. to say that I've had now not this experience that this couple goes through, but I've had a similar experience to this. Really, in some ways, yeah. Can we just pause for a moment? And I'll tell you the story, and then we'll get back on topic. When I was about 23, I had been living in Washington, D.C., and I moved to Cary, North Carolina, which right. is outside of Raleigh. Yeah, you took me through there. Yeah. So I was living in Cary. My boyfriend, because I had dated this guy in college. Wait, you dated guys before you knew me? My college boyfriend. And we'd kind of been on and off again. We'd been broken up for some time. He lived in Raleigh. He had kind of talked me into taking this job and move to the area, right? So I moved down there. After having lived in the city. So I'm in Raleigh. It's not really a big city. Well, you told me Cary back then was nothing compared to what it is well, now. Well, right. But even We're, Raleigh. I yeah. mean, well, even not, though it's, it's not the that capital, it's just not They just now sketchy. Passed, started building above four floors in downtown or something. <laughs> right. So yeah. he lived in downtown Raleigh within walking distance to kind of the, the popular strip where there's lots of bars and restaurants. Yeah, I don't, I've never been in Raleigh, honestly. He lived across the street it. from a damn mellow mushroom. Okay, I mean, so you out. know this is not like Are you like trying to a, make me jealous? Yes. I want to well, I'm just painting the picture that this is not like a bad, <laughs> this is not a bad neighborhood. Right. Right? This is a very white neighborhood. Yeah, it is. When he lives in like a duplex, little house that's, you know, like Yeah, two everything's kind of. cute. Right. So he had gotten off work. He worked at a Kinko's. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> no, like three nice. to eleven. So he got off work. It was late at night, but he was like, "Hey, I'm starving. Let's, you know, we were gonna hang out, watch a movie or something." And he's like, "Well, can we walk across the street and get something to eat? I'm so hungry." And I was like, "Yeah, sure." I had already eaten. I mean, it was kind of late. I didn't even take my purse with me, like to go out. You're so long for the ride. I just was walking with him. Okay. We go. There's like a little taco kind of shop 
nearby. He grabs like a quick burrito. We're in this restaurant maybe like 15, 20 minutes. I bet he gives you a burrito. Oh, shut up. And then oh, we, my like, God. We are walking back to his house, and we're like, you know, on the sidewalk in this very residential Quiet, nice, calm, quiet, right? Kind of nicer neighborhood. Having a I mean, chill these are nice moment. houses, right? Okay. Some of them are really so what the nice fuck happens? Houses. This car pulls up and like drives by us, and then goes down to this dead end street, turns around, and comes back. I oh, look no, at no. him, and I jokingly go, "What are we about to get gang banged or something? Like, you right. know, are these some gang bangers? Oh my god! They fucking roll up. Four dudes jump out of this car, run over. One of them pushes me. Oh onto the sidewalk, and then they just start like beating the shit out of my boyfriend. What the fuck? Yeah. So I'm like fight or flight. My first instinct, I mean, you know me, I'm like a little spider monkey. Yeah, but you was like, I'm about to roundhouse kick somebody yeah. in the chest. But your reptile part of your brain said you might need to get up. But out then of this I was bitch. like, what? They got a gun? Oh my god, there's yeah. four of them. This could right. be bad. And this is already, already fucking dude. Well, up. I always remember. Ain't no sense them fucking me up too. Right. Well, I always remember people saying, if you're ever in trouble, don't scream like rape or help scream fire so i start screaming fire at the top of my lungs running down the sidewalk i run into his house his roommate and like a couple of buddies are sitting around the table like playing cards poker or something or magic the gathering i don't know they're kind of dorks and they're like what and i'm trying to tell them like oh my god what's happening well i guess they thought i was joking what because they're like that's not even funny and i'm like i know well then they're like dude she's not fucking kidding so then his roommate who's a huge dude and some other guys they like jump up one of them was grabs a baseball bat. They, like, run out there. Well, of course, as they are running, trying to charge these dudes, those dudes Scattered. jump in the car and leave. No shit. Yes. But they fucked my boyfriend up. Why? They just... Was it going to fuck somebody up? Well, I don't know, because I, mean, I didn't hear the, like... Because I was just like, I'm getting out of here, right? But yeah. he said that, of course, while they're just, like, beating the shit out of him, they're like, give us your money, give us your wallet, give us your watch. Like, they're trying to rob him. Yeah, maybe it was some huge gambling debt you didn't know that your boyfriend had. And he was just like, okay, I've got on like a $50 fossil watch and I have like maybe $10 in my yeah, wallet. Yeah, but you can have I, it. Because I just ate a burrito. No, I mean, but don't take my swatch. I got that in eighth grade. Right. But we had to go to the emergency room, call the Jesus. cops. Wow. We had to go that fucked your evening to up. the police station. I had to look at like, l- like photo lineups. Oh my god, of you were enjoying that. Don't lie. Well, it was no. At you that were... time, I was like terrified. Oh, okay, okay. And... I thought you just might think it was cool to be in a police. Station. Oh my god, it was such a thing. Okay. So, but that was one of the scariest, probably one of the scariest things that's ever happened to me. Well, then, I've never really been involved in like crime. Well, I guess you could imagine the first instance. So of I can their tell feeling. you, one minute you're like hanging out with your sweetie pie. Yeah. Having a good night. Right. Holding and hands, next minute, there's talking. all these dudes kicking the shit out of your boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fucking scary. Get the fuck. You got to be out, dude. Look, there ain't no sense in both of us getting fucked up. And somebody's got to go for help. I'm going to run. Thanks. They, just let you know. Well, I mean. I'm you, coming back with help. Oh, well, that's good. Well, you know me anyway. I'm a little scrappy oh, thing. You, so I'd be biting the shit out of their ankles and You really and would stuff. be like a little pissed off spider monkey. People that, just don't know me, do no, they? they don't. She'll crawl up one side and down the other. <laughs> Motherfucker, better ask somebody. Okay, so back okay. to our story. Okay, but Sorry. that was a good side story. I'm but just saying that yeah. I totally have experienced something, had ex- something similar at the very beginning. In that I the, have been right. taken, like blindsided. Rolled up on. They rolled up on you. Yeah, that I've been blindsided yeah. while I was having a moment with my boyfriend hey, that's on a sidewalk. Just, a surprise attack. Yeah. That's happened. For, uh, humans have always done that to each other. And it is fucking scary. Because when the other party's not in that same mentality as what you're bringing, 
You know what I mean? Like, we're going to kick ass, we're going to do all this stuff, and it's totally random like that shit. The other people's totally caught off guard, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, dude was athletic and probably could kick some, you know what I'm saying? He's probably strong and all that stuff and instantly mm -hmm. taken control of. Well, yeah, case. I mean, he was a baseball player. You Athlete, can imagine he was probably in good shape. Carpenter. Right. But when they roll up on you like that, you don't have a chance. This is all happening, like, somewhere in the 9 o'clock hour. They're taken to this rental house on Chipman Street. Well, it's around 10 p.m., a little after 10, that, you know, the friends at this party are like, okay, where are these guys? Man, they're probably they, supposed to bring the reefer. They said they're coming over. Where are they? Like, what's going on? They're going to give me some Bartles and James. We knew they were going to grab dinner, but they should be here by now. Right. So they're calling, texting, you know, trying to figure out where their friends are. Hey, where are you guys at? Trying to figure out, like, are they going to come to the party? They expected them. And got no response. Okay. Around 11, two of Chris's buddies drove over to the Washington Ridge apartment complex, thinking like, okay, well, did they decide to Because they were going to leave there and come to the party, in? right? You know, are they in there getting it on? Like, what are they doing? <laughs> you know, we're Need gonna... some help, broke down. <laughs> yeah, what's going on? They see Chris's truck in the parking lot, but they notice that Shannon's forerunner is missing. Okay, so maybe they went out to dinner, changed plans, went to a movie instead. I mean, there's still that window of like, okay. Maybe she's like, drop me over there in that alley and I'll, you know. Huh, huh. I think these are classy kids. They're not alley. I'm just kidding. They're not alley I was talking like about, you. I was talking about hopscotch. Yeah. Around 12.30 a.m., Shannon's father got a phone call from her. Now, she explained that she was not going to spend the night at this party or at her friend's house, and that she was going to be home sometime between, like, 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. Okay. Later, cell phone records would show that this call came in from the area of Cherry Street in Knoxville. So, they've got her, they make her call home and say this to her father. Yeah. Hey, I'll be home in a couple hours. What the hell? And you know Cherry Street. Yes, I, earlier we talked about that, um... Yeah, I used to put up fences, as you well know, and we went to Knoxville a lot. One time, we had just a pretty good-sized job there on Cherry Street, and when we pulled off the interstate, we was just like, uh, yeah, hold up. You know what I'm saying? Sketchy neighborhood. Well, yeah, and I, it's, and I would never judge, you know, anybody, like if they're looking poor or, you know, poor-looking cars or anything like that. Because we grew up poor. <laughs> yeah, because that, I'd be like, I'm my people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm home. But no, yeah, it was just rough, like real rough, kind of where you used to feel the energy. Like, people around here would kick your ass or yeah, don't well, mess around. Well, you were kind of saying it was an area where, like, if you were working on the fence, you kind of kept your tools and everything right yeah, there. Yeah, you could because not. Because if you turned a corner, your shit yeah, was gone. Yeah, if you leave your stuff out front and go out back for five minutes, all your stuff out front's gone. And you were kind of looking over your shoulder, even though you were working on this fence crew with several large fellas. Yeah. You guys were all kind of, like, watching we're, each other's back. Yeah. It's just sketchy That's how rough. It's really rough. For Knoxville, I mean, shit, it's just, you know, Knoxville's got rough spots. That's got to be one of them. The next day, Shannon's parents get a call from her job saying that she didn't show up for work. Okay, so, so the responsible young adult who's doing everything right and is incredible doesn't show up for work. Now they're going to Not out. to mention, you know, she had told her parents she, she didn't was going to be home, home three. in the early morning hours. She's not home. They get this call that she didn't show up for work. They're concerned. I'm sure it's out of character. Well, it was on the same day. This is January the 7th. 
that Christopher's body was discovered near railroad tracks between 9th and Cherry Street in Knoxville. Yeah. A man named Roy Thurman, he was an employee with Norfolk Southern Railroad. He was actually like a train engineer. He's out working on these tracks, you know, doing whatever train engineers do. Yeah, there may be a good-sized train yard right in that area, being a, you know, tri-state area or tri-county area. Yeah, so he's out and about doing, you know, doing his job when he stumbles across a body. Christopher, okay, this is where things are going to start to get graphic and brutal. They're pretty rough, guys. So if you're sensitive in any way about any of that, just listen to another episode right now. Because this kind of goes above and beyond the normal true crime where we just sort of wash over cases a bit. This is pretty graphic, but I feel like we need to talk about exactly what happened so everyone can understand the gravity of this case. This is their story and it deserves to be out told. Yeah, definitely. Christopher had been bound by a belt around the ankles. His left wrist was tied up with a shoestring. A sweatshirt was wrapped around his head. He had a sock stuffed into his mouth, which was tied up with another shoestring. So like a gag. Yeah, probably one of those choking gags. He had been blindfolded and stripped naked from the waist down. He was shot in the back of the head, the neck, and in his back, and the body had been set on fire. What the actual fuck? Yeah. Who would do that to another human? Maniacs. Someone they don't even know. There's no, this is not even about a vendetta or revenge. Cruel. This whole case is cruelty. This is the type of cruelty I've talked about when you get these people together. It's like they're trying to one-up each other with the cruelty. That's why you got a lot of this mishmash idea. You know what I mean? Right. It's like you can tell it's more than one person. It's what like was a done pissing to contest it, of like who can be... The bigger piece of shit. Yes. Who can be the bigger shit bird. Yeah. That's horrible. It would later be revealed that he was sexually assaulted. Yeah. There you go. Because, you know, he was naked from the waist down. He'd been sexually assaulted. Now, court records, testimony are going to show that they think Christopher's death was seemingly quick. And what I mean by that is that he was killed within a few hours of the kidnapping. Okay. Probably within the first two or three hours that they've taken him. This well, is what they do to him. My God. I didn't... <sighs> and you'll see why. Because essentially, and we were kind of talking about this before we got started with the case, they were just trying to get him out of the way. Right. Because they really wanted to focus on Shannon. And this is what they quickly do to someone. All the sh- all the horrible shit they did to Christian. You mean Christopher? It's Christopher. <laughs> this is what they do to someone. All the horrible stuff they've done to him. Yeah. Quickly. I mean, it's just horrible. Who even thinks this shit up? I don't know. If you was hanging with someone and they said to do any one thing that was done to that poor man, I'd be like, what the fuck? Uh, yeah. And I'm a dark humor. You know, we're dark humor and kind of oddities and death and graveyards where we went and relaxed today in the uh, yeah but um this is real i could never do this shit to another human no it's crazy no if somebody comes at me like hey we're gonna go torture this person i'd be like (laughs) no uh i think i'm I'm out i'm too lazy for that yeah and then a whole lot of stuff's gonna happen somebody's gonna talk can i wear my sweatpants it's gonna be a whole thing well after christopher's body is discovered of course, Shannon's parents, worried is not even 
a good measure to describe no. these people. I mean, they are frantic. They are literally this beside themselves. A parent's worst nightmare. My heart goes out to these people. It's I, almost worse for them, honestly, that than um his parents. You know, because he's already been. You know, he's that. But they have their daughter. Well, there's they some don't know finality what's going on. to closure with. And they don't know what they're still doing to her after they've done this horrible stuff to him. And she's just missing. Oh my god. File a missing persons report, and luckily, like it's taken seriously, and especially with everything that's happening. Yeah. Well, Shannon's family is out searching for her along with the police when they find her SUV on Glider Avenue, which happens to be very close to Chipman Street. Inside the vehicle, investigators find that it's littered with Newport cigarettes and the couple didn't smoke. So they know that this is likely the perpetrator. This is someone who's been in this vehicle, probably connected to this crime. Right. I'm going to go ahead and tell you none of their friends smoke Newports either. Oh, yeah? No. How do you know? Hmm. <laughs> I'm not, I don't want to ruin anything. Oh, so the vehicle also, I should mention, is really muddy inside. Like the floor mats and the carpet are caked with mud. And this is unusual because Shannon was the kind of girl that she kept this vehicle in great condition. It's, you know, probably her, maybe driving him around, a couple of girlfriends. I mean, she's, this is a nice car and she's well, keeping it. right there in Knoxville, too. You don't typically see a big bunch of mud, you know what I mean? She's keeping this vehicle looking nice. Yeah. I mean, it's a nice car. She takes good care of it. She's a good girl. This mud, I mean, her family's like, yeah, she's not going to be tracking this kind of mud into this vehicle. And what they do find inside the SUV is an envelope which has fingerprints. And they're pretty quickly able to identify those fingerprints as belonging to a man named Lamericus Davidson. Okay. Of course, he's got a record, so yeah. he pops up with this criminal history. Oh, Boom, that's what there happens. After a quick search, they find that Davidson has this rental property over on Chipman Street. Now, I'm not sure exactly if he owned this rental property or if they just knew he was renting, renting. this house. Yeah. Well, with the quick search like that, it sounds like he might actually have owned it because I don't know if they, you know what I mean? Well, if but I'm thinking if he's in trouble, he, because I'm thinking if memory serves, like he had gotten out of jail or prison. Like they may have just pretty consulted soon. his last known address. So I'm thinking, well, maybe he's on probation yeah, or something. Right. I mean, they've got this address in the system for him. So again, I'm kind of not clear on whether he owned it because one thing said he owned it, but then other things said it was a rental property. Okay. So I'm not That's a little 100% sure. But it's a house they thought they could find him. Just want to clarify. Well, when police show up at Davidson's house, they find the home empty. No one's there. They search the property. Investigators make a gruesome discovery. I'm sure as a cop, you see all kinds of crazy shit. But you got that handful that really. But this has got to be one of those things you. that yes is disturbing and traumatic, and you're probably never the same after that. You makes see you like become this. an alcoholic and commit suicide, type of stuff. Well, what they find inside the home is Shannon's body stuffed into a trash can. Could you imagine? No. As a cop or emergency personnel? No. Not at all. What they also find is like a mountain of evidence. They find Shannon's iPod in the house. They find clothing that, of course, she was wearing and that she also had in the vehicle. She had a box of clothes, apparently, 
things she was going to toss out, like donate to a Goodwill or some kind of like thrift store. So she had this box of clothes in there and they find some items that, I mean, I guess her family would later say, oh yeah, those were some jeans and sweaters she was going to get rid of. Yeah, we always got, all of us got that Goodwill bag in the car that rolls around back there for six months until you happen by Goodwill. (laughs) Until we finally remember that we need to take it. Oh yeah, this is back there. So she had these clothes in the vehicle. They find her gray purse, which she was carrying the previous evening. She was wearing a pair of pink high heels on the night she went missing. Those were in the house. Okay, so this is a lot of different stuff they found in the house. They find two of Christopher's baseball caps. So I'm assuming maybe he was wearing one. That Maybe there was one in her vehicle that he'd left in there before. Okay. They find her camera. They find Chris's driver's license and a pay stub. So it's almost like they had rummaged through his wallet. Or glove box. You know. Right. Console. Well, it's her vehicle. Oh, but still she might have it. Hey, girl, I'll I'll hand my check over. I know. Thank you for that. You're welcome. I like new things. I know. They find a CD. They find some of her personal items. That's a lot of stuff, though. Right. So, because she had spent the night at a girlfriend's apartment. She has an overnight bag in the SUV. So, they even find her personal items like her toothbrush, her toiletries, her cosmetics, like everything she had taken to spend the night at a friend's house. And if she's anything like me, then you know she packed everything but the kitchen sink. She had a good bag. She had one bag, it was a good one. So, they had all of the stuff in his house, linking themselves to this couple laying around the house. Yeah. Okay. So we're not exactly dealing with the most intelligent of criminals here. It would seem. Can you, and they also found a whole notebook full of pages that said, they were here, we killed them here, this is where the crime happened. (laughs) I mean, essentially. Well, I mean, that's the thing. These are not brilliant people, but they are cruel people. Very cruel. The medical examiner concluded that Christopher had been sodomized by an object and raped by a person. Police believe the sexual assault happened inside the rental house, and then they dumped him by the railroad tracks. Like, they dumped his body there, and that they tried to set him on fire on the railroad tracks. Right. Now, Channon's body showed a very similar fate. The, again, this is pretty graphic. You may not want to stick around for this. This but is I pretty rough. But I think it's important that you hear what happened. Medical examiner stated that she had been tortured for hours. Poor girl. I mean, I just can't. Ugh, it's horrible. And these are the last moments of her life. Tor- torture and pain. For hours. And confusion. And like, why? And why me? What did I do? I mean, I think of like Nancy Kerrigan. Why? 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 I mean, because. No, but seriously. Why is this happening to me? Yes. You know? I mean, that's probably the biggest question in her head the whole time. Why? Because I don't deserve why this. Why me? Well, she had traumatic, traumatic brain injuries. And had been repeatedly sexually assaulted. She had injuries to her vagina, anus, and mouth. And one thing, you know, that I was kind of reading, I was reading through some of the case files, like some of the court records. She, her mouth had like ruptured membranes in the, like inside her mouth where someone had been so brutal with her. What the hell? Why didn't you know you had a membrane up in your mouth? Yeah. Like this is, I mean, she was... Basically just torn apart. This Abused poor girl. in every way possible. Yes. And then some. Repeatedly. Jesus. The assailants poured bleach down her mouth and into her throat. They had tried to scrub her body with bleach as well. 
she had large traces of bleach in her vagina. Like they just poured bleach in this girl's vagina. Can you imagine the pain? I'm assuming they were doing, I mean, yeah, because she's already got these horrific injuries. Well, uh, well, besides, oh my God. Gashes, bleeding. Oh my fucking God, I didn't even think about the open wounds on top of chemical bleach on your genitals. And on top of that, just in general, how bad that would fucking hurt. Yes. Oh my God. I mean, this poor girl, this is so bad. This is horrible. And I, I'm assuming they did this with the bleach. They were trying to get rid of the sperm. Yeah. You some, know, evidence. Yeah. And these are, again, these guys are not fucking intelligent. Well, they had tied her body up with some curtains and strips of sheets. Her neck was broken. They covered her head with a trash bag. Then they stashed her body into five trash bags. And they had tied her up before they put her in this trash bag in this fetal position where her thighs were pulled closely to her chest and then they had like wrapped these sheets and things and tied her up in this position. So what the hell? that's uncomfortable. That's weird. That's too. fucking horrible, right? Yeah. Then they stuff her into this trash can. They piled some sheets and linens on top of that. And then they put some Wendy's trash, like fast food wrappers. Some I guess trying to, to be like, hey, well, just this looks like trash. Oh, if you search that, yeah, it's just a, that's just a bacon junior. Yeah, we just have some chicken nuggets up in here. Well, evidence showed that Channon had suffocated very slowly until she died. During the trial, this woman named Stephanie Sutton, I'm sorry, Daphne Sutton, she had been Lamericus's girlfriend and had been living in this house with him, testified that the material that Channon was tied up with was from a floral comforter bedding sheet set that they had used on their bed in the home. Okay, so... I'm going to make these murder restraints out of my sheet from my house. Okay, you with me? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get the white one or the black one or the gray one or any of that. I'm going to get that fucking particular weird floral print one that we got from your grandma's house that look really no one would ever forget seeing these sheets. That's why I'm going to tear it out of. Geniuses. Okay. On January 11th, authorities at this point, I mean, they have suspects. They know who they're looking for. They tracked down two suspects, Latalvis Cobbins and George Thomas in Lebanon, Kentucky. Lamericus Davidson was going to eventually be found in Knoxville. I should mention that um, Davidson and Latalvis Cobbins are like half-brothers. Two more suspects, Eric Boyd and Cobbins' girlfriend, Vanessa Coleman, also are arrested. And I believe Vanessa was arrested in Kentucky as well, and Eric Boyd was still in Knoxville with Lamericus Davidson. Okay. Now, I did watch some testimony, so if you want to go to YouTube, they have lots of live testimony from the trial. Some of that's pretty good. On YouTube. When you watch live and testimony. And Latalvis Cobbins is saying that he and his friend George and his girlfriend had gone to Knoxville to ring in the new year. I guess his half-brother had gotten out of jail gotten out of prison, jail, whatever, okay. and they hadn't seen each other for a while. It's so a welcome home party. They'd basically gone to Knoxville to spend New Year's Eve, party, hang out. So they'd been there like a week. And he claims that, you know, they go out because Lamericus is saying, like, he knows some girl that lives in this apartment and wants to go find her for some reason. And they okay. drive over there. And then they're, yeah. he says they smoked a wet blunt. Oh, okay. So I have formaldehyde on it. I guess. Yeah. Is that what that means? It's getting wet. Okay. Dip cigarettes and marijuana blunts into formaldehyde. 
And I only know that from another podcast. And then this is what, you know, this all transpired and that this Latalvis was just like, what the fuck's happening? Like, I thought we was just hanging out. So now they're in, okay, that, that's more of a, like a PCP angel dust kind of territory high, right? I suppose. Where, yeah, where you I actually, don't know. I'm like the most ignorant person when well, it comes I'm, to I'm, drugs. Well, this is from what I'm to understand. <laughs> I'm so naive. Okay. No, uh, guy, uh, people out there, I've never done this. But from, from what I'm to understand, it's more of this like hardcore high. I mean, it's just a, a harsh chemical not meant for human, you know. And they figured out that if you do it like this, you get, you know, and it's pretty rough. It's like a, you could almost get have a break from reality. I'm just mentioning this because according Angel to dust. like Latalvis's testimony, this was not like a planned crime. It was not like they were all hanging out like, hey, let's go rob and carjack someone. I mean, he's saying like we were hanging out. My brother wanted to go to this girl's apartment like he knew this girl that lived in this apartment building so that's why they're there they for roll this up regular they reason. see this couple and that that's when his brother's like we're gonna fucking roll this couple no or whatever that is it, was... it the brother that just got out of jail yes lamaricus the... they should have kept him in jail lamaricus no so that is according to latalvis's testimony okay so i'm just bringing that up to say like at least one member of this fuck up posse is saying that like hey we didn't plan that it wasn't like we had an intention or that we knew this couple or that we i mean i was just kind of along for the ride and this yeah, all but started I would stop to fucking happen the time you started cramming uh, foreign objects up dude's ass and like murdering people but anyway it's, okay so here's where the latalvis's testimony could be bullshit because dna evidence showed that lamaricus davidson and latalvis cobbins were the ones who had raped and sodomized channon Fuck Latalvis. Yeah. He is, yeah, fuck him. And again, they found sperm in her mouth, vagina, and anus, as well as on her clothing items. And it was belonging to these two men. So so that torture of pouring all that bleach all over that poor girl like that. For and nothing. they still recovered the evidence. Now, there was a witness named Xavier Jenkins who was employed with Waste Connections, which is a local business near that Chipman house. And from what I understand, they're like a trash disposal, trash removal kind of business. Well, he had come into work, like he worked a late shift, like a graveyard shift. And he'd come into work and he noticed, because it's right there next to this rental house, that there were these four black males entering in and out of the house, like multiple times. Uh, Around 1.30, he'd reported in for work, you know, probably midnight or whatever. So he's like noticing they're kind of in and out of the house. They're in the driveway. They got flashlights. They're kind of back and forth. He saw this white SUV parked in the driveway, and it was not a vehicle he recognized ever having been parked there. He also saw a white car parked behind it. Well, this car belongs to Nicole Mathis. She's the cousin of Eric Boyd. Nicole Mathis would later testify that she had loaned her cousin Eric the white Pontiac Sunfire on the night of the carjacking. When Mathis tried to reclaim her vehicle from Boyd, she went over to his mother's apartment where he was staying. And he tells her that the car's broken down. He sounds like a real fucking winner, too. I'll borrow my cousin's car. Hey, hey, hey girl. Hey, girl, I borrowed your car, but so bit my mama house where I'm staying. <laughs> well, fuck. Fuck, get a job. So she goes out of the parking lot. She tries to crank her car. And she says that fluids just start pouring out of it. Nice. So not only does this lazy-ass guy who ain't got a car borrow her car, but he tears it the fuck up. He done fucked up her $1,000 car. What a piece of <sighs> shit. 
Well, while she's inside the car, she finds a plastic bag which has small bullets in it, and it's kind of stuffed up under her driver's seat. So at the same time that she finds this plastic bag, and of course is like, what the hell? Yeah, that's not, that's kind of weird. She said that her cousin Eric, you know, comes out of his mama's apartment, and he's walking down the sidewalk talking on a cell phone, and that she hears him say, I might be in some trouble. Okay, now I feel great about this situation. So she's like, oh shit, and she doesn't want to be any part of this, and so she's like, I got to get rid of this plastic bag, because I need this in my car. Mm, That, mm, I would have took a different path. That's, that was evidence. I'd recovered that. <laughs> Daphne Sutton, remember that's Lamericus's girlfriend, says that on the evening of January 7th, he had come over to her house around like 11 p.m. And now you got to remember, this couple gets abducted sometime between like 9 and 10. Okay. Sometime around 10, they're probably, t- you know, taken over to this rental house. Right. And so at 11, he shows up driving this white Toyota 4Runner. Now, Daphne and Lamericus, I guess, kind of have this on and off again thing. And she'd been living there, but they were kind of, I guess, in a fight. So she was staying at her friend's apartment. Speak briefly, and he gives her some clothes. And he says he got these earlier and got these for her. And then he leaves. Well, so she, you know, gets in the apartment. She starts looking through these clothes and she's like, these are secondhand. You didn't uh, buy these for me. He gave her the Goodwill bag box. He did. Oh, my God. What a douche. So she calls him up and she's like, these are used clothes. Uh, yeah. These belong to somebody, some other girl. You know. Who are you, you supposed to I can be? just hear the conversation unfolding. Yeah. But she's not happy about That's this. That's not going to work. Well, the next night, which would be January the 8th, so this would be like the night after the murders, he spends the night with her, with Daphne, at this friend's apartment. At some point... The phone rings, and it's Daphne's mother, and she's like, have you seen the reports on the news? Uh And, of course, Daphne's like, what are you talking about? And her mom is like, well, they found a body at the Chipman Street house where Lamericus lives. Uh Uh-oh. At this point, Daphne's like... So she done found the 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 bullets... The car's well, now the on cousin this? finds oh, the bullets. Oh, the cousin did. Oh, okay. This is his girlfriend. The yeah. cousin found the bullets. Oh, so it's time to get out Eric's Daphne. cousin. Yeah. So Daphne's like, you got to leave. I don't want you here. I don't want any part of this. Right. She kicks him out. Hit the road. So during this time, Eric and Lamericus are calling friends. They're trying to get help, trying to get out of town, or at least get Lamericus out of town. Because at this point, he doesn't have anywhere to stay. He can't go home. It's a crime scene. I don't feel bad for them. They kind of did this to the fucking selves. One guy, Kevin Armstrong, says that they called him up. They asked him for a ride. They said they needed to get Lamericus out of town. But he'd already seen these news reports. So he knew okay, that these so... guys were in some shit. So he was like, yep, not going to help you. Okay. That's the... how the media can, can help a case right there. The pair, you know, they're kind of freaking out i guess they're walking around town they go to a woman's apartment like some woman that they know that eric boyd knows they go in they're like you know trying to get somewhere fig- to figure relax out and where cool they off. can be well she this lady is like i know what y'all did and i don't want any part of this so she's kicking them out they're walking out in it's some the brutal nature of what <laughs> they did they're trying to hide out in some like wooded area yeah Eric is still trying to call friends. Paranoid. Hey, we got to get Lamericus out of town. By January 11th, 
Now, that's the time that these other folks in Kentucky are being arrested. These two can't get any help. I guess they are, you know, they're panicking. They break into a house on Reynolds Street, and it's a vacant property. Lamericus is going to stay in this house. Now, Boyd is going to go back to his mama's apartment where he where he stays. Oh, these guys. They're such men. So Boyd's plan is like, I'm going to bring you some food. We're going to try to keep you hidden here. Hold tight. We'll figure this out. We'll get you out of town. I'm going to help you, buddy. I'm calling the cops as soon as I get out of your sight. Well, eventually police catch up to Boyd. I mean, he's staying at his mama's apartment. (laughs) He went back to his mama's apartment. I guess these guys. These shit sticks, dude. These guys are shit sticks. I'm sorry. I have a feeling that like our young teenage girls could like plan a better crime than they, this. Oh, I know they could. They would be fucking smarter than this. They would, and they would be telling these guys like, what the fuck are you doing? So they catch up to Boyd. They eventually apprehend Lamericus. Inside the vacant house where they find him hiding, they get a cell phone, they find a revolver, a McDonald's food bag, and they find Christopher Newsom's tennis shoes. Which later, I believe... Daphne, the girlfriend, would yeah. testify and say that she saw him wearing these shoes and commented because they seemed like they were too small for him. Ah. So he's wearing this boy's shoes that don't even fit him. Oh, my God. What the fuck? They're so stupid. The trial what? and the aftermath of it get a little crazy, so bear with me. Okay. So you've got these five people going to trial. Eric Boyd, he was found guilty for being an accessory to a carjacking and failing to report the location of a known fugitive. Okay. So he was sentenced to 18 years in federal prison. Oh, well, I still can't do it at him. But I guess somehow they were able to get him on some state charges. And he was given 18 in federal and then a life sentence on state charges. Oh, okay. Uh. Letal, uh, what's his name? Latalvis. The federal will probably come off like kidnapping and carjacking or something like Le- that. Latalvis Cobbins was found guilty of the murders of Shannon and Christopher, and he received a life sentence without parole. No possibility of parole. You fucking kill them. Lamericus Davidson was found guilty of murders, of the murders and the rapes, and he received the death penalty. The friend George Thomas was found guilty, uh, was given a life sentence. I guess, in the murders and the carjacking Jesus. and all that. Vanessa Coleman, the girlfriend that was involved, was found not guilty of murder, but sentenced on some lesser charges, and she was given 53 years in prison. Jesus. Now, here's what gets me. They were not playing. Latalvis had his girlfriend, Vanessa, along for the ride, right? So, she's chilling with him. They commit this crime. They come back. They got this couple, and she's just going to sit by and let her man rape this girl yeah and torture and repeatedly have sex with this girl yeah and she's okay with that but, and be and the and his part and is like okay with it let alone the it. brutal shit i mean and i just think like what the is she okay first is she's fucking dumb she's a dumb bitch she has some kind of personality and then too like sure. i just don't even know how you could participate you're the only female in the house and you're gonna let them do this to another female i don't know I can't wrap my head around it. I'm well, then she deserved them fucking 53 years for not picking the phone she up. She did. Well, the defendants appealed their convictions after the judge, Richard Bumgartner, Baumgartner, <laughs> I think's his name. He uh. was one of Knox County's three criminal court judges. He was forced to resign in 2011 
after admitting he was addicted to drugs and bought them from convicts. Uh-oh. Damn, Judge. You know, they look at this case, these cases, and they're like, okay, so this judge was on drugs and under the influence during these trials. Oh, no. No way. Is it going to get retrialed? So two defendants in the case were granted new trials. Vanessa Coleman was granted a retrial. She was convicted on those lesser charges. She's going to get less than 53 years. They gave her 35 years in prison with the eligibility for parole this year. Oh, she she did she made out on that one. That's a big George Thomas was resentenced to life in prison without parole. So basically he wasn't given a better sentence. Right. His sentence stuck. And Eric Boyd, he appealed his sentence as well. I mean, he's still in jail. There was a lot of those people backlash on this case. Bloggers, a lot of media critics. I mean, they were pretty pissed off because they felt like this case was largely ignored by mainstream media. That doesn't make sense. Well, they think that it was a racial issue because the victims were white and the five assailants were black. And some people were outraged and were calling it a hate crime. But local law enforcement said it was just a random act act of violence. I'll get that out. It was a random act of violence and it didn't really have any racial motivations. I mean, it wasn't like the assailants were purposefully hunting down this white couple to they don't, how do they rape know that? and torture How and do kill. they know that? They didn't really feel like it was any kind of racial thing, that it was really kind of a crime of opportunity. They just so happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. So brutal. I know. But there was a lot of outrage over it. And that's why in the beginning I mentioned this is a big case, but not commonly known. Well, so even if it, you have the possible racial tones to the story, but then it's so brutal, I'm just surprised the national media didn't jump, you know what I mean? Jump all over it. Right. And so a lot of people think that it was some kind of... Kind of pushed to the like side for a reason. ...racial issue because maybe they didn't want to they didn't want to escalate tensions in the... Right. And not in the, in the Knoxville, Knoxville area. area. I mean, who knows? But that... See, I don't... I'm surprised I don't know this story good. Because it's just a, it's a horrible tale. It really is. In October of 2008, Waste Connections, the National Garbage Collection Company, and remember there was the witness who worked there right. that testified in the trials, they bought the house at 2316 Chipman Street and had it demolished. Good. Right. So Those it's been houses torn down. like that should always be demolished. Now, we borrowed some stories. We did some <clears throat> research from Knoxville News Sentinel, um, WRCB-TV, and from the court records. Because, I, you know, I access, for a lot of our cases, I look up the actual court records. You're so you're right. getting the testimony and, and, of course, some of the testimony from YouTube. So that is how we were well, able all those, to compile yeah. this. So just want to let people know those, all our, the, those, so those, those were good, well-written, done sources. Well, those are some of the sources that we used um, in this case. But I remember when this happened and I had just moved back basically to... Western North Carolina from California. Oh, wow. Name dropping. So I'm just, well, I just remember when this happened and it was so horrific. That's horrible. It's a really sad story. I just feel for nothing for this girl's family. All those people did that night was kill these poor people, break two families, destroy them and ruin all their own lives in an instant. Exactly. It's just totally, that senseless violence drives me crazy. Yeah, I know. Just like when I called you earlier today, can I tell people just sure. in a one minute? He's passionate, y'all. So I was listening to 60 Minutes 
uh, 60 Minutes podcast, which I don't know if you guys have discovered. There's a lot of Datelines doing some, which is basically just their episode on podcast format. And 60 Minutes doing it. But it was 60 Minutes Australia. So all the cases I had never heard. So I was very excited. But anyway, the Michael Glider, I okay. do believe was his name, case, who was convicted of 66 counts of molestation against children. So he got 16 years for that. Ooh, 16 fucking years for attacking and harming a child over 66 times or whatever. Yeah, we have some feelings about these pedophiles. And then they proved that he likely killed the little girl, okay? The one, because he would drug them. He put the drug in the fucking Coke. Every kid likes Coke, right? He He's the piece of shit I hate because he chums up to these uh, hardworking single moms and acts like the best guy in the world friendly oh i'll watch the kids for you of course and, that's what they do these fucking sick people get the kids access to them for like eight ten hours at a time and they yep. just do this and he would drug them and they'd fall out and he would do all these pictures i mean just sick disgusting the one little girl dies okay and they let and they finally can prove that he had the little girl when she died they let him plead to manslaughter Instead, because he did, his intention was to drug her, but not kill her. Because there wasn't like a malicious intent. Yeah. Or... So his his intention okay. was to drug her and and take pictures of her and do all kinds of fucked up shit to her while the poor little things passed out, but not kill her. And they're gonna let him plead. I know you called me and you were very upset. I was I was upset. I know you were pissed off. I was pissed off. He was Could like you ready tell? to jump a plane and go to Australia and like protest or something. Because I always ask you, why is the world not protecting the kids, baby? Yeah, I know. It's... But anyway, so yeah, um, yeah, but I had to tell them because I can't talk to them because Facebook fucked us. Oh, they yeah. killed us. Our Facebook page, which was very active. Oh, it was exploding. We're like in some kind of Facebook jail because of the organic growth our page has had. The bottom line was we grew too fast. Is that even a thing? Yeah, they treat us like we're... Like a spam account? Yeah, or we set up the spam and... algorithm because we had such growth. And it was all because of our good friends out there and all the fun we were so having. Basically, the Zook doesn't mm. want us to have a good time and wants us to pay him money to advertise instead of just getting the organic growth, the growth got on their nerves in a natural way. And yes. that, and by organic, we mean all our good friends out there that spread the word and we share things with each other. Yeah, Zook didn't like that shit. Because it was happening for free. It was people-powered. Fuck the Zuck. <laughs> Fuck Zuck. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a good t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so it. if you guys have noticed anything different there, that's what it is. Yeah, if you're not seeing all those Mountain Murders posts. We miss you. We're still posting. You just actually have to go to the page They're, to see it. Yeah. Because it's not showing up like in a feed. Like Yeah, so feed. everybody out there who hears this, come see the page and like something so we can just say hi. Yeah, no kidding. We might be back sometime. And, of course, you can find Mountain Murders, wherever you get your podcasts. Hit subscribe. Give us a five-star review. We're also on Patreon. So, if you want to go over to our Mountain Murders Patreon page, you can sign up for just a couple of bucks a month. Three bucks a month. And you're going to get extra bonus content, photos, videos. Yes. Lots of good stuff there. And also, directly, no middleman or corporation. You can directly support us here. Yeah. To keep having fun. Because we don't make a great deal of money doing this. We know. labor of love. And it, but there is some stuff goes in it. But we appreciate your support. We do. No and what, we, we love we, our fans. And uh, also, right quick, uh, we um, if you are unfamiliar with Patreon, we have an option at, uh, for PayPal, right? Yeah, we do. Didn't you just add that? 
well, no, we've we've had PayPal for a while, baby. Oh, but but if you want to make a one-time donation to PayPal, you can do that. Right. Murders Podcast at yeah. gmail.com. And you can send us over a dollar. Or for twenty dollars we'll cover a case you name. Twenty bucks. If you want to pay us twenty bucks, you pick a case. And we will and dig. we will do it. It doesn't even have to be a regional case. No, it's we'll any get case you out want. Of Appalachia. Any cover case Gacy, you want. Jack the Ripper, whatever you want. Your crazy uncle. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay, guys. Peace out. Zenny's Blocks lenses help to protect the eyes by keeping harmful blue light out. Because they're virtually clear, add blocks to any Zenny frame for stylish, all-day protection. Get a complete pair of prescription or non-prescription blocks glasses starting at just $24. Protect your eyes now at zenny.com.